Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit one of our favorite shows, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's musical guests from Memphis by way of Atlanta, Sax recording artist William Bell, and from Austin, Texas, fantasy recording artist Alejandro Escovedo. I'm Helen Forster. Please join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We have got such a good bunch of stuff to share with you all. We've got two musical pioneers, two artists who found themselves in the midst of creative scenes at the right time and place, both of whom went on to really make their own mark. We've also got a guest who battled depression through volunteering and then went on to help others do the same, helping out both the nonprofits and the volunteers themselves along the way. But up first, musical pioneer number one, born in Memphis in 1939. He grew up in the midst of one of the most musical scenes in the country, maybe in the world. He watched the birth of modern blues and rock and roll and R&B. He started performing as a teenager, first on the radio and then live in his hometown. He went on to work with Rufus Thomas. Then he got signed to Stax Records, joining the likes of the Staples Singers, Sam and Dave, Otis Redding. Along the way, he and Booker T wrote a song that became a classic, covered by Albert King in 1967, and then by the British band Cream the next year, called Born Under a Bad Sign, which turned out to be anything but a bad thing. We're gonna hear more about all that later, but the capper to this brief summary of this amazing, remarkable life is that he's just recently put out a new record, his 16th, under his own name, it's called This Is Where I Live, and it just won a Grammy. So. He's still making great music, and we're thrilled to have him with us this week. Please help me welcome to the stage at E-Town for his first visit, Mr. William Bell. different world now the time has come and gone I was just a little boy when I heard Sam Cook singing a change is gonna come it touched my soul and let me know there's a promise of a brand new day then I left my home started out on my own this is where I live This is where I live This is where I give All my love, all my time, all my money, every dime This is where I Me a 
She'll be waiting when I walk in. Got a one-way ticket on the Red Eye Express. Man, it's good to be home again. This is where I live. This is where I Losing your love to make me see 
Welcome, William Bell. Such a good singer. Such a oh, treat to hear you sing. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about the early days in Memphis because I was, uh, as I was introducing you, just talking about that scene that you grew up in. I'm wondering, in, just when you were a little kid, did you have a, a large family in Memphis with, that you grew up around? Not really a large one. It was me and my mom and uh, two brothers and a sister. Yeah. It was a good time because in my neighborhood, we had all kinds of music coming along, and uh, quite a few of the Stax people grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. I heard there was a place on Beale Street called the Flamingo Room that was kind of a good spot for you. It was. Uh, it was kind of a fluke because some friends of mine entered me into a talent contest and dared me to enter. And of course, don't dare me. I entered and I won. So I came to the attention of old man Phineas, who was the band leader there. He had kind of like a 14-piece orchestra. And he asked my mom if I could work Friday night and Saturday nights. And of course, coming right from church, she said no. <laughs> but uh, he how old, how old were you then? I was probably about uh, 14 then Oh yeah. wow Finally he wore down and she agreed And told him one of the conditions was As long as you're able to go to church on Sunday mornings You can work down there on Friday and Saturday night And so that was uh, yeah. the key it was radio a big thing for everybody's uh, world in those days, just listening it to the radio? It was. TV was just coming into vogue then, but radio was the main thing. And you had uh, two or three stations there that uh, played all kinds of music because you heard all, everything on one station. WDIA played gospel, they played jazz, blues, country and western, everything. Yeah. So uh, we were well-rounded and yeah. had all kinds of things coming our way. Yeah. And once you got signed to Stax, did they have like a, a building, like an old church or a movie theater or something that they used to make the recordings? Or They had an old movie theater that still had all of the same draperies and everything on it. That's where the sound came from. And they took the actual stage area, made a control room and all of that. So we cut everything live yeah. during those days. We only had, I think... Uh, two tracks or four tracks or something yeah. like that, and we cut everything live. So we had to really hone our craft and learn discipline and everything yeah. because cutting everything live, you know, if you made a mistake, you had to start all over again. Right. So <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> well, man, oh, man, what an amazing scene to be a part of and to make a contribution. I mean, obviously you were valued by them as well. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with William Bell. 
I want to talk just a little more about your young uh, career. I know you moved to Atlanta at some point, and again, that was a whole other kind of scene on the radio too, right? Like a whole different radio world. Absolutely. And uh, how much did your life change when first Albert King and then Cream recorded Born Under a Bad Sign? Actually, you know, we didn't realize uh, the impact that that song would have. Of, of course, uh, it uh, really blot the career blossomed after that. Yeah. Did you have one of those moments where you go to your mailbox and you open an envelope and it's like, oh my God, look at this check I just got. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I, I'm still I'm still doing mailbox duty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get up to date now. I mean, your new record, This Is Where I Live. Congratulations on the Grammy win, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How did you uh, connect with John Leventhal, the the producer you worked with on that record? Uh, Actually, um, it was a combination of my management, Blind Ambition, out of Atlanta, and another gentleman there that was with Stax Concord Records, Nothing ever clicked until John and I got together. And when we got together, it just clicked. And he's such a wonderful arranger, musician, songwriter. And, of course, he's husband to Roseanne Cash and all that stuff. And a Grammy winner and all that. Yeah, it's really interesting because it is honoring the past. You can tell that it's got some flavors and some pieces and parts of either horn arrangements or string arrangements or just the structure of the songs that certainly is, you know, familiar to those of us who listen to those songs and that music. But it's modern, too. Absolutely. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with William Bell. Now, um, the Stax Kids, what, what is that? Uh, it's the kids that uh, from the neighborhoods that we grew up with and yeah. mostly underprivileged kids, but uh, talented. And we think back on my career with all of the guys like Phineas and Rufus and all those guys, B.B. Uh, King and Bobby Bland, taking me under their wings. Yeah. And I was like 14. So we've got all these kids that's coming along and we have a charter school for them now. And uh, within the last four years, we've had a 100% graduation rate. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. We have a Stax Academy, and the kids can learn all aspects of the entertainment from performing to management to engineering and recording, all of that. And I feel like a proud grandpa, you know, when I, when yeah. I see him, you know. Well, it reminds me of the title song of your record, This Is Where I Live, you know, giving back, this is where I give my love, my time, my money, investing in your community. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, you know, with the arts being taken out of the school and all of that now, that's needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to be 78 on your next birthday? Absolutely. What's, uh... What an inspiring story. William, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of that with us. And we've got so much music to get to, but I'm so glad you could visit and stop by E-Town on this run. Oh, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's get back to music. Help me welcome back the remarkable William Bell. How about a hand for Nick and Helen? Marvelous job. 
Across the river, across the bridge to Arkansas. The people there, they didn't care about the law. I met this girl, she made me shiver when she danced all through the night. And when Sister Charlie sang, he made everything right. She came up every night from across the bridge. And now I gotta go back across the Mississippi, Arkansas Bridge. One day I swear I saw an angel She would laugh, dance and sing She came to hear the music Sonny Boy and B.B. King I went for drinks and she kept dancing I left her all alone But when I came back she was gone, gone, gone She came up every night From across the bridge Now I gotta go back Across the Mississippi, Arkansas Bridge A club across the river, across the bridge to Arkansas. She came up every night from across the ridge. Now I gotta go back across the Mississippi, Arkansas bridge. She came up every night. From across the ridge Now I gotta go back Across the Mississippi Arkansas That's William Bell, along with the E-Tone. Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, Paul McDaniel, John Gray on trumpet, Jonathan Stewart on baritone and tenor, Helen Forster singing along. The record is called This Is Where I Live, Mr. William Bell. He'll be back, play some more music later on in the show. 
Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. William Bell is going to be back later on in the show. And coming up, Alejandro Escovedo is here. He got his start in San Francisco, kind of in the punk scene, and then went back to his native Texas, where he became a a prolific and important part of the uh, Austin music scene, another amazing music scene, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Before we get back to music, though, every week, we get a chance to introduce you all to somebody that we meet through the help of one of our listeners. These are always stories about folks who look around and see uh, a problem or a challenge where they are and they decide to do something about it and it usually adds up into some great things so it's a great reminder that individual efforts do add up and uh, we recognize these folks with something called the Achievement Award and here comes Helen to tell us about this week's winner. Thank you so much, Nick. As you know, we cover stories from all over the country and in some cases internationally. Our story this week, though, is closer to home. As Justin Kruger will tell you, he was someone who, on the surface, had it all. A good corporate job, a great relationship, a wide circle of friends. But Justin silently struggled with depression and had done so for much of his life. And one day he was invited to volunteer at a local nonprofit. He found the experience of volunteering made him feel significantly better than he had in a long time. That's when he knew he was on to something. Now, research shows volunteer work can improve mental health, but those suffering from anxiety, depression, and so forth often find it very hard to take that first step. So Justin co-founded Project Helping to make it easy for folks like him to get out there. And the cool side effect is that it's also providing much-needed support for nonprofit efforts of all kinds that are helping tons of people in need. Justin's here with us to share more, so please welcome this week's Achievement Award winner from Denver, Colorado, Justin Kruger. How are you, Justin? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm curious, Helen, sort of give us a little bit of the story. What made you decide to go and volunteer that particular day? Well, I tell this part of my story very honestly, but I got invited by a girl that I was dating, and... You don't ever want to say no to something like that early in a relationship. So, How did that work out? Were you impressive <laughs> as a volunteer? Probably not as a volunteer, <laughs> um, but it worked out okay. We just had our fifth wedding anniversary. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, why is it that, uh, in your mind, volunteering helps people who are suffering from depression? Yeah, depression's a very... Uh, isolating disease, first of all, regardless of how many people are around you, you feel very internally focused. So volunteering, first of all, provides a tremendous sense of purpose for people that are very internally focused and takes that 
very internal focus and kind of turns it outward when you get to help someone else. And it's a really um, kind of liberating experience for someone that's struggling. And is there research to support all that? There is. There's a lot of tremendous research from national and international researchers that have proven that it's a tremendous benefit to mental wellness. I imagine that it's a tough first step, though, if you're somebody who is, in fact, suffering from depression. You may rationalize and think, oh, yeah, that would help me. That would be a good thing. Right. But it's a tough first step. It is, yeah. And that's one of the things we focus on is trying to make it, as we say, ridiculously easy to get signed up. So ridiculously easy, what does that mean? We do all the work ahead of time, essentially. So we work with our nonprofit partners so that when we gather the information from our volunteers, that's all that they need to do. So when someone finds a project to sign up for, you can genuinely sign up in 30 seconds, which for anyone that's tried to go find something to do on their own, it it can be a very lengthy process to find something and go through all the processes to sign up. Do you vet the projects or what kind of projects do people sign up for? First of all, the event has to be what we would consider meaningful. So something where you'll be face to face with the impact of your work. And we do things like serving breakfast at a youth homeless shelter, going to the food bank. We do reading tutoring for kids in uh, Denver public schools. So those types of projects. And so it's important that they're social, that these are things where people are going to be around other people. Yeah, again, that feeling of belonging that you get from being with other people who understand and can empathize with depression and what it's like to live with one of those challenges is really important. So it also helps break down a lot of the stigma around it because what people think of when they think depression or mental health related issues wouldn't be me. You know, obviously someone would see me and not necessarily think that I was struggling. So we want to break down a lot of that stereotype and stigma that way. Did your friends know, did they have an inkling that you were suffering in that way? Not at all. That was the biggest hurdle for me in starting it was people are going to ask why. So telling my own story was the biggest hurdle. It took me a couple of years to really get over that. Yeah. And how's it going? What are the results so far? We just did our 250th volunteer project on Monday. So, wow. And how many people do you think have volunteered through your organization so far? We will be at 3,000 here shortly. We did our first project just over two years. Not that long ago. Yeah, it's growing quickly. Because it's cool, Justin, that you were able to take your own challenges and your own struggle and turn it into something that not only helps a lot of organizations, but helps a ton of people. Yeah. And and the organization's called Project Helping? Project Helping, yes. And there's a website? Yep, projecthelping.org. Well, Justin, congratulations. This week's winner of the Achievement Awards. Great to share your story with our listeners, and thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Congratulations again to Justin Kruger, founder of Project Helping. What a great story. You know, I was talking to Justin backstage, and he didn't mention this, but they have impacted a total of 400,000 people from the efforts of the volunteers in his organization. Isn't that amazing? And that's just in a few short years. We want to thank Elaine Grant for getting us this great story. If you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can find it on our website, etown.org. And if you want to nominate someone doing great work to better the lives of others or helping the planet in some way, you can do that on our website as well. You can just head to the homepage and click on the word award at the far right of the top menu. You can learn there what we specifically look for and submit your nomination there. Or... You can always write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Justin. It's inspiring. William Bell has given back in his community through his project with the Stax Kids. 
And then, uh, of course, Justin's doing his part, too. We have got more music coming up from William Bell just a little while. Right now, I want to tell you about Alejandro Escovedo. His parents emigrated from Mexico to Texas, where he grew up in a really musical family. He moved to San Francisco. Apparently, as a teenager, was making a film with some friends about a young band that couldn't really play their instruments. And then they decided that maybe they would be the band. And they founded the band called The Nuns, which really launched the punk scene there in San Francisco. And um, it's really, it was a remarkable moment at that time and those people. And uh, he then moved back to Texas, formed bands like Rank and File and True Believers, but all along he wrote songs, made records, and was a really vital member of the Austin music scene, another really incredible music scene at an amazing time. He's got a brand new collaborative record that was recorded up in Portland with some friends who contributed to the songwriting as well. Anyway, the music is great. He's here with the band. The journey continues. This is the first time that he's ever been here to E-Town, so please help me welcome, along with his band, Alejandro Escovedo. Thank you very much.
Alejandro Escobedo, welcome to E-Town. Oh, thanks so much. It's been, you know, I've been listening to you for a long time. It's great to be here, fun. Oh, we meet at last. <laughs> yes, we do. That's a new song, Horizontal. It's from your new record. Yeah. And I'm just so impressed that you guys, in making that record, could capture that garage band intensity. Right. You know, it's never far away, which is cool. Well, you know, it, it took a special group of people, I think. Yeah. Peter Buck from R.E.M. and Scott McCoy from R.E.M. and the Young Fresh Fellows and yeah. Minus Five. And then uh, Kurt Block from the Fastbacks, a great Seattle punk rock band. And John Moen, who plays with the Decembrists, was on drums. Kelly Hogan sang on it. Right. Also Corinne Tucker from Sleater Kenny sang on it. Yeah. And Steve Berlin came and played some baritone sax on right. it, too. So it was yeah. good. Good bunch of people, you know, but it's that, it's that Northwestern sound. It's always fuzzy around the edges, and they like to get right into the heart of what it is, of yeah. rock and roll, you know? And it was a collaborative in writing the songs and putting the record together, too, not just in performing it, right? Absolutely. You know, the ability to just have that kind of joyful intensity probably did start for you in San Francisco when you were a kid, right? Well, I actually grew up, you know, um, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Right. My parents are from Mexico, and yeah. uh, I was born in San Antonio, and then we moved to Southern California, Huntington Beach, when I was about seven years old. My parents told us we were going on a vacation, <laughs> and we never went back to Texas. We just <laughs> stayed in California, which is a weird way to start, you know. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, right. we never got to the heart of why that happened and the way it did. But anyway. You never asked him as to what Well, happened? I asked him many yeah. times, yeah. and I got many, many stories, yeah. you know, <laughs> many variations of stories. And so with due respect, I never wanted to, dis, you know, yeah. say they weren't the truth, but right. they weren't. <laughs> 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 well, um, 
I know you had a really musical family. You had sisters, yeah. brothers, uncles, yeah. everybody who's making music. Out of 12 kids, there's eight professional musicians. Wow. Yeah. But when you were a kid, what, what kind of music did you start playing when you were a young person? I didn't play when I was a kid. The first thing I ever wanted to be was a matador, you know? <laughs> and so my mind was elsewhere. It was really whacked. And, uh, but I always wrote. You know, I just always wrote little yeah. stories, and I wanted to be a filmmaker was what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I was very influenced by the French New Wave and cinema verite that was happening in the 60s here in America and stuff. Like most Chicano young boys in Southern <laughs> California, you were yeah. interested in French film. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, French film. I'll tell you, it wasn't... Uh, a pretty picture, you know, it was, uh, you know, I used to dress up in these green velvet suits, like from England, and, and you know, I had a shag haircut and stuff, and it didn't go over well with the other Chicanos, you know, they, they didn't know what to make of me, nor the surfers, and I was a surfer too, which was weird, because I kind of fell in this place where, you know, the surfers didn't like the Chicanos, and the Chicanos didn't like the surfers, so I always said I was Hawaiian, just so I wouldn't get beat up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's wild. Okay, so so back to my story that I said before. Was it true that thing about you and your buddies wanting to make a movie and yeah. and that we need to make a movie about a band that doesn't know how to play and then yeah. turned out it was you? We guys. wanted to make a movie about the worst band in the world. And uh since we couldn't play, we figured we could fill that spot, you know? And so we became that band. That band became the nuns and you know, the nuns were like just one of those bands that somehow fell in with punk rock right at that time. Right. And punk rock in those days, though, was very much more expensive. There was a lot of women involved. There were people who did all sorts of different things. It's all about kind of expressing yourself. You know? Was it political, too, when you're young like that? I mean, I'm trying to imagine the music scene in San Francisco at the time being one that was kind of mellow and, you know. Not for us, no. Not for you, but, I mean, were you reacting to that thing that was around? Well, we were, yes, most definitely. Although we embraced it, too. We Mm -hmm. respected what had happened in San Francisco with the bands and the music because a lot of those bands were very political, you know, the Airplane and the Dead, they all did beautiful things. But, you know, some of the first gigs I remember playing were, like, uh, benefits for the coal miners in Kentucky and, you know, different projects and foundations right. and whatnot. So that was a large part of being in a punk rock band. Yeah. And you opened for the Sex Pistols. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, the very last show at yeah. Winterland, yeah. Yeah. It's That's really cool. nothing to brag about. It was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. The Pistols were at the very last... I mean, they were... It was really the death knell for them, and they were... Yeah kind of like taking their last breath and it, it wasn't it wasn't very attractive <laughs> but of course maybe people in the audience thought that was what it was supposed to be yeah you know it was funny because that's when punk rock really changed yeah. for us because for us it was like the end of punk rock yeah. because uh, now you had a lot of kids coming from the suburbs and it was more male dominated it became more violent and more hardcore and we weren't really into yeah. that in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. Um, I love the idea of the lyrics can't make me run yeah. and don't give up on love. I mean, these are powerful messages, especially for today, these times that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. You know, it's funny when you write songs as a songwriter, you're not always sure what they're really about. You have kind of a vague idea of what you want to say. But then some sort of event comes into your life that really brings it into focus, and suddenly the song 
reappears as a real solid, clear kind of vision, you know, and uh, and that's happened a lot lately with my yeah. material. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's better to be right eventually than to never be right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's so true. Listen, we have a lot of music to get to. I want to just, again, it's just taken us a long time to figure this out. We have so many mutual friends and connections, yeah, and I'm just glad we finally well, got to connect and bring you here. Welcome back, if you would, along with his band, Alejandro thank Escovedo. You
Smash the windows on a new guitar If that's what you wanna do You can't make me run Along with Jason Victor on guitar, Aaron McClellan on the bass, Sean Peters on the drums. The record's called Burn Something Beautiful out on Fantasy Records. Alejandro Escovedo. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KKRN in Round Mountain, California, on KHOL in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and on WMOT in Murfreesboro and Nashville, Tennessee. As always, if you'd like to learn more about what we're up to here at E-Town, there's lots of information online at etown.org. Okay, so everybody doing okay? You feeling all right? We got some great music. I just want to uh, mention that, you know, these are confusing times in one way or another, and uh, confusing times can either divide us or connect us. I know for a fact that it can also bring out the best in us. One thing we can say for sure is that we are a better community when we have fresh ideas and the flavors of different cultures. So that's certainly what this country's been built on. These two artists this week prove that diversity 
makes us all better. So um, we hope that we can all embrace that concept. And with that in mind, would you please help me welcome back to the stage the remarkable Mr. William Bell.
That's William Bell. The guy who wrote that song, along with Booker T. Along with E-Tones, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, Paul McDaniel, John Gray, Jonathan Stewart. We've got time for one more song. I want to thank all our guests, get everybody out on stage. You know, Alejandro and William Bell, in fact, all of us just met for the first time just a few hours ago. We found a song we all liked, worked it up. We're going to try it for you now. I want to thank all our guests. Thanks to William Bell, remarkable man coming out here from Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to our award winner, Justin Kruger, helping to connect folks suffering from depression with volunteer opportunities. Thanks to Alejandro Escobedo and his band. Thanks to all of you for joining us, engineers, volunteers. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization. To make an achievement award nomination or comment on the show in general, feel free to visit our website at etown.org or connect with us on Twitter or our two Facebook pages. 
Distribution of E-Town is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. This is a production of E-Town. There you have it. William Bell, amazing songwriter and singer and performer. And uh, from Austin, Alejandro Escovedo, Great Achievement Award, another E-Town show. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.